0: You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Muhammad. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's
1: move on down the audio road. Good evening, everyone. This is Rico Muhammad coming to you live from Decatur, Alabama got a special guest our special guest is making his weekly uh well excuse me his monthly check-in with us mr. chuck snow is standing by uh with us tonight so if you got any questions wanted to ask someone that's doing trucking in a big major way please by all means go ahead and press number one and get in line to talk to chuck to be able to pick his brain real while we got him on the line um Tonight we're going to jump over into, uh, start out as we normally start out, we're going to jump over into the USDA truck rate report for this week. And, boy, is there are a lot of changes that are going on across the country as far as uh, produce is concerned. So we'll just jump right into uh, most of the markets are showing an adequate supply of trucks. There's only one market that is showing a slight surplus. That uh, is showing in Mexico crossing through Texas. There are a couple of markets that might be uh, right for the picking right now. Uh, Southwest Indiana and Southeast Illinois is showing a slight shortage. The Upper Valley, Twin Falls, Burles District, Idaho is showing a slight shortage. Louisiana, uh, um, excuse me, Michigan at the wrong line. Michigan is showing a slight shortage for onion. Michigan is showing a slight shortage moving cucumbers right now. Um, Columbia Basin, Washington is showing a slight shortage. Yakima Valley District Washington is showing a slight shortage. Central Wisconsin is showing a slight shortage. These areas that I'm getting ready to name off right now is showing a Severe shortage showing in the red on the USDA truck market report. And that is Idaho and Merrill County, Oregon is showing a severe shortage. Louisiana is actually showing a severe shortage. And Big Lake Central Minnesota is showing a severe shortage of loads, I mean, of uh, truck capacity to move produce out of those areas. I'm going to post the link on. My company web's uh, Facebook page, Carrier, LLC.com, a little bit later after the show. So you can click on that link and you can go to see the USDA truck rate report for yourself. It has much more descriptions than what we give here on the app for the, for the uh, sense of time. So I'll post that link a little bit later. We're going to jump right back over into the uh, DAT trend lines report for this week. And this week, the USDA, I mean, I'm sorry, the DAT trend lines is showing a ratio dip, but rates, rates rise for the week of August 31st to September 6th. Rates rose below the truck ratios decline for the three major equipment types last week. This seemingly contradicts partially due to an end-of-the-month push that coincided with Labor Day weekend. Rates for vans, flatbeds rose $0.04, cents, while reefer rates added $0.01 cent as a national average
2: is the overview let's jump over into the
1: demand for u.s. van market and the u.s. van market is showing for the week of august 31st through september 6th that van freight availability dropped 19 percent and capacity slipped 14 percent last week yielding a 5.6 percent decline in the national average of load to truck ratio the result Of 3.5 loads loads per truck is still strong for the season. The short Labor Day week typically causes a 20% decline in load board activity. That is a major decline. I didn't know that. That's an interesting factoid to keep in mind right there. Uh, The national ratio averaged 3.3 in August, a 5.2% increase compared to July and 25% above the level of August 2013. Uh, we're going to jump over into the band rate for this past week. And for the week of 31st through, uh, August 31st to September 6th, the national average rate for bands rose $0.04 cents to $2.04 per mile And the first week of September, which also included the Labor Day weekend. The band is strong and rates re- will remain elevated throughout most of this month, giving you a weekly rundown of specific markets out of uh, highlighted market coming out of the northeast is Philadelphia, showing an average of $2.12 per mile. Atlanta is the highlighted market in the southeast, showing the, once again the $2.12 per mile average. Chicago is the highlighted market in the Midwest, showing a $2.23 per mile average. Big D, dallas Texas, highlighted market in the south-central region, showing a, an average of $2.01 per mile. And the City of Angels, Los Angeles, is coming in for the Western Region representative of the highlighted market at $2.21 per mile on average. Moving on over to US flatbed demand, we have load availability declined 18% for flatbeds last week. Capacity dropped
2: 14%. The
1: resulting load truck ratio declined 4.4% from
2: 376 to 36% to
1: uh, 36 low truck. About 20% decline in low board activity can be attributed to the short week work week that included Labor Day. And let's jump over to see some rates for flatbed. And flatbed rates recovered one cent last week to a national average of $2.44 per mile. The demand remains strong for flatbeds and rates have been elevated since April. This might be a good of enter- uh, uh, the jot down in a notebook so that you keep year-over-year uh, year notes on what the market is how the market has been performing we're not sure um, if this, what we're experiencing right now we're kind of in un- uncharted territory so we're not sure if this is the new norm or is this going to be uh, just some anomaly so you might want to make copious notes about some of this some of these things save some of these reports to keep you a little file about this stuff um, but jumping back over into the the highlighted market in the Northeast region is Harrisburg, showing a flat band showing a three dollar eighty one cents per mile average. Atlanta once again is the representative for the southeastern uh, market, showing an average of two dollars and ninety four cents per mile. Uh, Rock Island, Illinois, is the uh, highlighted market for the central region, two dollars and ninety five cents per mile. Houston, Texas. For the south-central region, showing an average of $3.09 per mile. Phoenix, Arizona comes in for the western representative at $2.22 per mile on average. And Jumping over to the U.S. reefer demand for the past week. Reefer freight availability declined 21% last week and capacity lost 15%, yielding a 6.7% decline in the load-to-truck ratio. The 10.1, a 20% decline in low board activity can be attributed to the short work week as businesses were closed for Labor Day. And U.S. reefer rates for last week, the averages coming, uh, the highlight of the city in the Northeast was Elizabeth, New Jersey, showing an average of $2.33 per mile. Lakeland, Florida is the Southeastern representative showing an average of $1.47 per mile in that region. Jumping back up into the Midwest, Green Bay, Wisconsin, showing a $3.20 per mile average. McAllen, Texas, for the South Central region, showing a $1.67 average. And Fresno, California, coming in at an average of $2.12 per mile on average. And that is your weekly wrap-up on rates. As far as uh, the D A T trend lines goes, and as far as the U uh, S D A market report goes, and with that said, no further ado, we don't want to keep our special guests waiting. We want to bring on the illustrious Mister Chuck Snow, the C E O of Traffic. Chuck, are you there? I'm here, Rico. All right, all right. Great to have you with us again this this month.
3: Always my it's pleasure. Been-
1: Yes, sir. So what's been going on? What's new that you guys are working on over at Traffic?
3: Well, lots of stuff going on here. We're getting ready for the Truck, Expo, Truck Show uh, out in uh, British Columbia for next week. And uh, we're looking at possible, possible expansion into the U.S. And we're pulling our hair out, trying to move loads into the northeast of your country. It's just murder. Um, trying to find drivers that will pull drive vans, and even reefer freight. From the Toronto area into, especially into New England, uh, there's just no capacity for trucks. That's just unbelievable. Worst I've ever seen it. You know, in years and years.
1: Now this. Uh, I hope everybody is listening. That this is coming from this is Chuck Snow, the CEO of Tractors. If anybody should definitely know, Chuck should know. Uh, Chuck is. If you're not familiar with Chuck, he has the. Oh, is it correct? Chuck the, the oldest. Brokerage in Canada? That is correct. The oldest brokerage in Canada. Also uh, has a fleet of trucks. I a matter of fact, I sent Chuck, uh, uh, I texted him a picture. of. I bumped into one of his drivers uh, down in, uh, what was I at, in uh, North Carolina last week. I bumped into, I seen one of Chuck's uh, trucks down in North Carolina. I took a picture and snapped it and sent it back to Chuck. So Chuck is, is a, a very good man. Even though he's a Canadian carrier and a Canadian broker, he very much has his finger on the pulse of the market. So if you got any questions for Chuck, go ahead and jump in line. I'm pretty sure he's willing to take on all customers. You can go ahead and press number one, and we'll get right over to you. Um, and interesting is you were talking about the capacity, Chuck, because I was reading an interesting article out of uh, Overdrive magazine, and uh, Todd Deals had something that he put out. I didn't get a chance to finish it, but they were talking about a white paper that DAP put out specifically about truckload capacity and yes. they're saying some r- really interesting things
2: yeah and, it's uh, definitely one, one,
1: problematic one, one of the things that they're saying is one of the biggest causes of today they, they had a poll one of the biggest calls of like capacity in the truckload today and the, the poll that they said uh they got several things listed they got regulatory drag on the operator investment and pro- productivity. Driver pay continues to lag behind uh, cost of equipment, uh, discouraging new businesses. Short haul requires more drivers and trucks. you has got a litany of different things on here, and and none of those things outweigh the biggest factor that they had on their in their poll, which was all of the above, all of the factors above, which is showing at fifty six percent in their in their poll. Uh, the, the the closest other indicator that they had was a regulatory drag that came in at twenty two percent. So uh it's a litany of different things, a cross section of things that are that are causing this capacity, which goes back to the email that when we uh exchanged emails that we were talking about uh
2: you know, where to spot opportunity. Exactly.
1: So they you know we that's giving some insight and some ideas from you. Well,
3: I think you know. I think what um, what you said about what you, you know, what you've read in Overdrive is is so true. And but there's there's money and misery, and I think you have to find out where the weaknesses are in the industry, and they're there. Uh, we've got better access to information today than we ever did before. I'm listening to some of the rates that you were quoting on interstate trade out of the U.S and you know if you're pulling a dry van making you know not making ends meet maybe you need to do something else you know i'm a big proponent of this um there's an awful lot of people in our industry that love to complain but there's no reason to because there's there's all sorts of opportunities out there you got to look for them they're not coming to exactly. you you got to look for them
1: you got to go out kill it and drag it home
3: that's right exactly Yes, sir. You know, Rico, without the information that you you provide on your show, with you know, on the rates and lanes and uh, what freight pays, uh, you can see where you know uh, there's some areas like you don't really want to be going to Phoenix unless you're getting great money going in there uh, or Dallas even, but you know, some of the other areas, especially on some of the deck uh, deck rates, are phenomenal. What an opportunity!
1: Right, and that may open up like you said, it may open up. To change up the different type of capacity that you provide. And that may mean maybe going and seeing what it is that you need to do if you don't want to lay out the, the cost of buying that equipment, seeing what you need to do to go be able to get your set up with some of these rental companies to rent you a, a flatbed or a step deck or something like that. So that you can, sure. that you can be able to be, be flexible with the market.
3: Exactly. You know, there's a will, there's a way. I really believe
2: that.
1: Now, well, and last week we talked about uh, we, we kind of scratched the surface just ever so minutely. Uh, one of the things that I found out in my search for trying to get more direct customers is that how of the people that I called on have now gone to this model, and I know that you can definitely speak to this, going to this model of giving all of the freight to uh, 3PL. And, and, it, it, and, and I, my question last week is, are 3PLs becoming the, the new direct customer? I know that some of your smaller, uh, some of your smaller companies and stuff are still going to keep uh, a lot of that stuff in house, and you may be able to, to do that. But more of the even the mid-sized, not necessarily the really large companies, but even the mid-sized companies now, it seems are going to more of a model of just outsourcing all of the all of the freight. What, what do you What do you have the
3: Insight? Can you provide to us with that? I think you're uh, I think you're on the money there um, because what they're doing is they you said it they're outsourcing. So up until the uh, the you know the popularity of three pls came in, they would have to do all this themselves. Now all of a sudden they've got somebody doing it for them, and of course with technology they're able to capture information and they're able to do things much cheaper than ever before. So you've got some very large 3PL uh, firms out there that are uh, they're serving the needs of some very large shippers, even in the automotive industry where they're shipping thousands of loads a day. And rather than having their own traffic department or logistics department, they're bringing in the likes of, quote, unquote, the Riders and the Penske Logistics and, um, and some of the other ones. And they're doing, you know, uh, some of them are not using their own asset, but they have... Uh, they have the technology to be able to interface right. with the needs of those big manufacturers. And it's pretty hard for, you know, for a single truck operator or even a small fleet operator to be able to go into one of the tier one automotive uh, manufacturers and, or suppliers and, and become integrated. Now, there is quite often at those plants, there's room for a little guy. There's usually room for a guy that's got a few trucks somewhere. You're not going to be a key player um, with the bulk of the business, but you'll be doing the the overages, the rushes, and things like that. So there is opportunity there if you can find the right person. And good luck with that, because getting into those plants is like getting into Fort Knox. But if you know somebody, or you can reach somebody, you know what? You never know. These guys run into emergencies where these three pls. Somebody drops the ball on them
2: and they need to get a load moved. And they'll pay great money.
3: And you can do it directly for them. But it is harder and harder because you don't have that relationship. And they don't have time to have a relationship with, you know, hundred different carriers. So this way they do with one three PL and they supply them as many carriers as they need.
1: So taking that into consideration um what is it that maybe you can uh, provide to some of us one-man armies um, actually I was finally got my other truck up on the road so I got another truck running now uh, congratulations to some of us guys that, that thank you thank you but some of us smaller guys that are, that are trying to grow and want to, and want to get bigger what would you advise us as far as um, with, with dealing with the 3PLs and stuff like that
3: well, the most important thing if you're dealing with a 3PL is service and honesty. Those are the two You can't let them down. If you do, you've got to tell them about it. Uh, you can't hide anything from them. It's really important. And, you know, you can integrate yourself into some of these 3PLs, and they're wonderful customers. And it's a great opportunity. And the nice thing about a 3PL is you're going to get paid. You know, and I talked about this last time, and I wrote about it in my blog um, about getting, uh, being able to get paid. And there's no guarantee of payments when you're dealing with shippers directly, but when you're dealing with the 3PL, there's usually a bond posted. And I couldn't tell you the last time a large 3PL went down in the United States; they're pretty solvent. So you're, you know, it's almost pretty much as close to guaranteed money as you can get and they pay their, most of them pay their bills in a timely fashion. They pay within, you know, seven days. Um, some of them pay in 30 days. Most of the good ones, including us, um, we do have a quick pay program available, so there's really no need for a factoring company.
1: Right, right. So that, that's what I was, um, you know, that's kind of what we was kind of scratching the surface a, bit, a little bit last week and identifying those opportunities and um, there's a, a magazine called uh, Inbound Logistics, and they had a lot of uh, of 3PLs. I think they had them kind of listed out and was ranking them. And they also gave like some insight to who their client base were. And I'm I was, I'm just trying to you know thinking out loud as I'm on the air talking with talking to you about this, but may be a, a perfect little niche in there that you may be able to uh, provide the capacity to these 3PLs and, and be able to make a nice living for yourself. And, and that's, uh, you know, I'm thankful that you came on the air with us and, and we got you as a resource that we can, you know, we can tap into your, your knowledge base and find out what you have to say about those things.
3: Rico, I think that there's a, a great opportunity there, and i don't think I think at the end of the day when you look at the uh, the amount of money some of these three pls can give you, um, and you can you know some of them will offer you round trips uh, a, a lot of them are doing that because they don't want to own assets, uh, probably the largest one is uh, c h Robinson to my knowledge, they don't own one truck, and what they're going to do is they will in order to Um, and it's not just CH that does this, a lot of us do this, we will um, position trucks, we'll we'll subsidize trucks to go into markets in order to be able to pick up our backhauls. So if you're a carrier for for Traffics or ch Robinson or any of the 3PL brokerages um, and they have good backhaul freight out of a region, they will do whatever they can to get you downbound freight into that region so really, at the end of the day, you can concentrate on running your truck, and you don't really have all of the aggravation with
2: chasing money and worrying about getting right. paid. And that's first something.
1: Right. right. Yes, sir, it is. Yes, sir, it is. And, and um, <laughs> so, you know, if you guys got any questions with Chuck, I don't want to all, all uh all the Chuck's, you know uh, knowledge base or anything like that but i certainly don't have a problem with doing so so uh, we got a bunch of callers on the line go ahead and press number one you can get in and you can talk to chuck yourself and ask your questions or uh, anything you know don't it doesn't necessarily have to pertain to what we're talking about now but if you just ever had a question that you would like to ask to someone that is doing things on a much bigger level much higher scale than what you're doing it on now is the perfect opportunity to get your question in. So, Chuck, uh, you, you say you guys are getting ready to do some expanding. Yes, sir. Want to tell us, you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Maybe, maybe there's some opportunity for some guys that are listening on the line. Maybe we can, you know, maybe start getting, getting in on the ground for some opportunities before uh, it, it may get out too far
3: to the public. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I'm uh, I'm looking at adding some trucks in the U.S., uh, for some U.S. domestic moves that we, uh, we've we been asked to provide service on, uh, both uh, vans and uh, reapers and flatbeds. And uh, there's just there's a good opportunity there. I'm looking at putting these trucks on with traffic. So if anybody's looking for a job as a, a driver or an owner operator, I really want to talk to them. And uh, they can call me at 800 388 4352. My extension's two zero three you can me always email me It's real easy chuck at traffic dot com
1: now, would they have to be uh willing to go cross border
3: they need to be make sure they are able to get get into Canada and, and not necessarily and they, no no because I, I we've got enough volume on the u s side um, and also we can bring loads to them and run this way our drivers can run just past Detroit. Um, over to Detroit and switch with them, and then they can go on wherever, uh so just swapping trailers and if they can cross the border, that's even better, but I know that some people don't have a passport or can't get one uh for whatever reason, so it's you know we'll certainly talk to them
1: okay, okay, so and that was you say van freight
3: and reefers, vans reefers, and even uh our flatbed business is really. Uh, expanding nicely. So if uh, somebody out there has got some flat or step deck experience, uh, we'd really want to talk to them. It's a great market out there. Okay.
1: okay, so let me ask you this, Chuck. What are some things that you might would well give some advice to some guys? What should, as far as reading, some some stuff to help uh, broaden your knowledge base? What are some things? What are some maybe some good book suggestions that you might want to throw out there? You know, there's magazines or articles, any kind of periodicals,
3: too. Well, my favorite, um, and I think it's got a great overview, is Transport Topics. I've got a copy sitting right here by my desk. Uh, That's my Bible. Okay. And I think it gives you a pretty good insight um, from, uh, you know, from any size truck owner or operator. It just tells you what's going on in the industry. And for the most part, most of it is not yesterday's news. There's an awful lot of information out there in the media but by the time you read it, it's yesterday. You know, I used to read the newspaper from cover to cover, um, you know, years ago. But today, with the amount of information that's bombarded to us, by the time I pick up the newspaper, it's all something I read or I heard on the radio or saw on last night's TV. But I find that tra- uh, Transport Topics does uh, keep me up to date on stuff, on big issues. Now,
1: what about are there anything that that are maybe not necessarily a, a industry periodical or something like that that kind of like gives you a clue as to what's going on in the market? You know, where where you might want to uh, foresee the next big opportunity may be coming. Any, anything outside of the transportation? Are there any other periodicals or things that you know of that you might be able to point us to? Yeah, um,
3: I think that probably the best uh, the best one here is uh, is Bloomberg Business Week. Um, real easy to read. It's not uh, it's not hard to read. You can keep it in the truck with you, and um, you know when you're late waiting uh, to get loaded. Just there's always interesting articles, and it will tell you trends that are going on in business where maybe you can adapt your your trucking uh, enterprise to those businesses. You know, it could be a new factory opening up. Um, It could be a new product. It could be, you know, something to do with the oil patch. There's always information out there. And whoever gets that information first and makes the call sometimes gets it.
1: Okay, okay. Now I got an interesting question someone sent me. Um, They would like to know, How they could break into the industry as a broker or as a a freight agent. Uh, Any advice you can give someone on that level? Well, you need a... uh,
3: I guess, first of all, you need some money. Um, You know, you've got to be able to to fund yourself. You've got to be able to buy that bond. Um, Probably the best thing to do, really, if they want to just break in, is to, to go and get themselves... A job at one of the big guys, and learn the business that's the most important thing. And rather than trying to um, go at it yourself and make all the mistakes that I made, uh, you know go to work for one of the big guys down there. Uh, there's all sorts of them um, and you know get involved in brokerage and make sure you like it. It's going to take you a while. Um, learn how to sell. Uh, you're going to have to be careful what you do when you leave there because uh, normally in this business there is confidentiality agreements and everything else. There's non-compete agreements. You've got to be real careful. Be careful what you sign and, you know, how long it's for and what jurisdictions it restricts you in, et cetera, et cetera. But that's the the only way to really break into it, to learn it. You don't want to get into this business if you don't know it. Right, right. And there was an
1: interesting conversation going on on one of the Facebook groups, um, and I, I maybe I know that you're not an attorney, Chuck, uh, but you no, know, I wanted to throw this question, maybe throw this one at you. Uh, how do you handle a carrier that may want to? In, the, in this industry, the norm is for the broker to provide the carrier the, the rate confirmation, so and so forth. How would you feel about a carrier maybe? Giving the rate confirmation versus receiving the rate confirmation from the broker, or, or changing uh, your contract. How does how does that go over with with you and your operation? And, and how does you know that that's that kind of be a it's kind of a good debate going on in one of the groups about that?
3: Okay, the, the rate confirmation. I, I, I've lost you here somewhere. Uh, I know. I'm, from
1: I'm sorry. Let, let me let me clarify. All right. Say, for instance. Um, if you contact me to move up to move one of your shipments for you. We come to an agreement on it, and I send you, versus you sending me a rate confirmation and I'm signing your rate confirmation, I send you my rate confirmation with all of my service terms and conditions.
2: Okay. I think that's real
1: and professional. Okay. Okay, but it's been getting a lot of, I think what's going on, well, Darian, on this end, it's gotten a lot of pushback as far as uh, the bigger agencies and brokers don't want to, uh, you know, it's either you do it, sign it on their contract, and it's their way on our way, or, you know, you either, you either do it on our contract or you don't get any afraid at
3: all. Rico, you know what? It really depends on who needs who more. It, I don't care who the broker is. If he needs you bad enough, he'll sign it. And. And that's what it comes down to. It's the old supply and demand thing. If you're you know, if you're running a trucking operation and you demand it, be prepared to be rejected. There'll be a lot of brokerage houses and three PLs that will not sign it. They're gonna play on their terms. But if you've got the only truck that day in Boise, Idaho, and there's a hundred loads, I don't care which brokerage firm it is, they're gonna sign it as long as it's not you know a thirty you know a thirty page attorney's letter, right? You know, and that's what you got. It's got to be simple and concise, and I think it's got to be the same way that most good brokerage houses will um, hand you a confirmation. These are the terms and conditions, and you know, not in legal jargon, so that whoever's reading it can understand. You know what? After a set set period of time, whether it's an hour. For two hours, there's going to be waiting. Uh, You know, off-road charges or this, whatever it is. And I think that's fair. I don't think that there's anything wrong. I've had to sign those things uh, before from carriers. And when we deal with large carriers, that's what happens. And quite often, we will take freight into, you know, let's say Edmonton, Alberta, and we've got to farm it out to a carrier for a northern destination somewhere and they're the only show in town i'm not about to argue with them and it goes back rico it really goes back to something you and i talked about to position yourself so that you are in a niche market so you are the only one that does that um you know if you're providing a service Uh, into, uh, into a region that isn't very popular and you're the only one doing it or one of the only ones doing it, you've got a much better chance of calling the shots than running into an area where everybody's fighting everybody for the same loads. You're not going to be calling any shots
2: there. Right, right. And that's what it all comes
3: down to.
1: True indeed, true indeed it's, it's it's setting yourself apart, putting yourself out there, and doing the marketing now what what advice would you give that goes into uh, my next question about marketing? Smaller guys such as myself you know uh, a lot of people don't necessarily have big marketing uh budgets or whatever you may have we may have a couple of business cards what would, what advice would you give someone that is trying to grow and and what type of marketing should should maybe they uh invest in what should they be focusing on to try to develop and and uh you know get their brand out there
3: i think you really i think for a a small operator of you know uh, let's say five trucks or less i think you really need to figure out what you're doing what you're going to do what you're going to haul are you going to haul beverages are you going to haul cattle hides what are you doing because you can't wake up one day and say, well, I, I'm trucking general freight um, because it's too broad. You, you really need to specialize so that you can market for that. And it makes it so much easier. You know, it's just whatever it is that you're hauling. If you're, you know, maybe you've got a license to haul hazardous freight. And if you do, right. then, but then all of a sudden you can go into... Um, you know, you can go into the chemical companies and, and people like that. They'll talk to you because they need that. And so at least if you've got a hazardous license, you can at least now all of a sudden, you're not going after beverages and food. You're going other than Coca-Cola that has syrup that's hazardous. But um, other than that, um, anything else that's not, why bother with it? And there's a market there. So your marketing should be really zeroed in to, to your niche because you can't have that, what I call a spray-and-play approach when you've got one or five trucks. doesn't work. So pick an industry that you've had some experience in even. Let's say it's furniture, and you're good at that. Then go to the other furniture guys and say, you know what, I, I haul for the people up the road in North Carolina, and they like me, and I've had lots of years' experience, and I've got zero damages, um, I'd like to haul for you. They'll listen to you.
2: And I think that's really important, no matter what it is. And that gives you an idea. You don't have
3: to spend millions on marketing.
1: Right, but I, I think that is, is it important uh to at least have some type of because I see so many guys that are in trucking and stuff and been a lot of guys don't even have business cards. But I think that you know, uh to be able to have some type of advertising budget, something to do, something some kind of way to make the telephone
3: ring other than posting your truck on the load board.
1: Well yeah, that's totally
3: different, you know. Uh when you're posting your truck on the load board you're going you're wholesaling your services to to a bunch of jobbers, basically. Um, When you're going to start marketing, now all of a sudden you're focusing on, you need to focus on a specific product or a specific industry. So therefore, and you do spend money, and, and the amount of money you spend is really dependent on, number one, what you can afford, what industry, Certain industries, like if you're going to start hauling, if you want to start marketing your services uh, for hauling for the theater companies and the rock and roll bands and and that sort of thing, you better go out and spend some money. Um, You know, you better chrome up your truck, and you better spend some money on some paraphernalia because that's um, that's what's going to get you in the door is the glitz are going to want to you know they're going to want to see a shiny brochure and all sorts of you know uh, you know all sorts of nice marketing material um, if you go into um, you know an industry you, you gear your marketing to that industry even what you're going to spend usually a decent brochure uh, with your your insurance information and all of that um You know, that's what they want to see, and maybe a a little bit of a bio on you. Put that in, Uh, just all of the information that a shipper would want to see. And make sure it's not just like everybody else's. Everybody's got a picture of their truck or of a truck. And, you know, the worst thing is a canned picture. If you're going to have a canned picture, don't even waste your time. You're better off just with a, a business card. Go and buy some... You know, one of the best things I ever found was uh, notepads with your name on them. Doesn't cost you a ton right. of money. You know, and they, something they keep on their desk. With your you name know, pens, you know. That's Exactly. That's probably the best thing if you're on a tight budget. And how much time okay. are you going to spend marketing, Rico? That's the other thing you got to ask yourself. There's no sense spending... Thousands of dollars if you're a one truck operator and you're on the road for, you know, five or six days a week because you're not going to give it away. Right.
1: Right. You, you, so you have to, but you've got to be what I'm, I'm, well, I guess what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give different insights so that you, people can be deliberate about what it is that they're doing. Like you said, identify your market, identify what it is you're going to be doing so that you can identify your market and then uh you know go out and and get you you get specific with your marketing material so that you can go around to the industrial parks or whatever and go shake some hands and and give your you know give your marketing material out so that you you might be on the short list of a phone call um and and but like i said uh you know the other thing that i was talking about as well earlier when like i said with the with the three pls is that um a couple of weeks back I was just sitting around and I was doing nothing but making sales calls. And the majority of the people, like I said, these were not major companies because I know that I can't I can't necessarily get in and service the craft foods because, you know, uh I, I don't I don't have the uh, the capacity to provide for them. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of like focusing on more of the regional the you know, the little smaller regional uh refrigerated product manufacturers in my area and uh I was able to contact one that, that I'm, I'm, I've am i been hauling some stuff directly for. But the majority of all the rest of them, I'm having to go through go through their 3PL. So, I'm, I'm you know, that's why I I, it would be a perfect opportunity while I had you on to, to kind of, you know, get some insight on that situation. We got a question for you, Chuck. Go ahead. Got a caller from the 605 we're going to go ahead and bring up on us right now. Caller calling in from 605. You're on live with Rico and Chuck.
0: Howdy, Rico. Howdy, Chuck. This is Joe Cox. Uh, I think about the best thing I know, what I found on Marketing Yourself, Rico, is do what you say, say what you do. Tell your customer and be his best. Take the headache off the shipper. Uh, do go above and beyond. A uh, good example, I've been hauling for the same direct customer for 23 years. Uh, That's pretty unheard of in this industry as a small, you know, anywhere from nine to three trucks. Uh, I went in there last Friday and I said, hey, you looking for any more trucks? And he said, well, no, not really. He said, but what do you think? Who are you thinking about? I said, well, I'm thinking about putting on another one. He said, oh, well, come and see me. He said, we'll give you any load you want. He's taking that from my competitor. But you've got to say what you're going to do and you have to do what you say. Don't call him and whine to him about detention. Don't call him and whine to him about layover. You know, that's all in the race. Be his uh,
2: go-to person. And that man will do, he will market your business for you. True words. Joe. They they all know everybody. They know everybody.
0: Uh, they, They asked me years ago, to move to a whole other state and take over the exclusive shipping out of another factory for him. Because we did what we say. And your actions, don't spend money printing up stuff. Go in there and be, be be the guy he calls when he's in a bind. I went on vacation once. He called me back. He didn't want me to come back. He got in a bind. And he knew I was on vacation. Finally, the third call of that week, I said, What do you need, Jim? And he said, Well, I, I really hate to. I said, Just name it and it's done. We came back from vacation three days early. I took my competitor's trailer, took it to New Jersey. The competitor loaded me back. You know what? That's my marketing.
3: That's wonderful. You know what? You've got it. I, I must say, I, I do agree with you uh, I, uh, wholeheartedly. I agree how you do business. I think sometimes you do need to give away a little bit of uh, stuff, uh, whether it's a pad of paper or whatever. But bottom line, you can give away all the pads of paper you want and fancy brochures. That may get you in there for a meeting. It may get him to call you. If your service is less than stellar, he's not going to call you doesn't matter what you have not at all you could have the shiniest trucks uh in the whole state and if your service is lousy you know what Uh, you'll have lots of time to shine that truck
0: (laughs) yeah and like i said he he said no we're not looking right now it's a little slow he said but uh we'll make room for you let me know he said where do you want to go i'll make a load for you it's like uh, i haven't thought about that yet i was just checking to see but, you know, that's from 23 years of doing everything that they've done, and uh, I don't know. But you know, you've so done you the right thing, work. you market yourself, and that man, when he goes out and talks to other people, he will market your services when someone, when he's at a dinner meeting or somewhere with some other company, some other executive, and sitting there saying, hey, you know, the, the guy sitting there saying, I can't get my freight moved, this guy's a clown, keeps dropping stuff. Oh, hey, call this person. They all, that's how you market
3: it. Have your customers, your customers are your best marketers for you. I agree. Word of mouth is better. Yep. It's better than any advertising you could ever get in any trade journal or radio ad or anything else. Uh, word of mouth. Somebody tells, you know, uh, tell somebody else about you and, uh, you know, it's usually uh, a phone call the next day and you're in there visiting them and you, you close the deal. And that's why it's so important to have a word and do what you say and say what you're going to do.
0: Yeah, and, and do it 100%, and don't worry don't worry if you're going to lose a little bit. I've deadheaded the truck uh, 1,500, 2,000 miles before, and somebody says, well, why didn't you just back out of the load? My, my word was I would be there to pick this load up on time. My word is I will be there.
3: Yeah, see, there's not enough of that today, Joe, and if that's the problem with our industry, is people don't see the big picture on both sides, too. We have an awful lot of shippers out there that don't see the big picture either. Uh, you've been able to cultivate a, uh, a working <laughs> partnership with your customer. Oh,
0: yeah. And that's all i got to say, and I appreciate both of you guys Chad and Rico. And no, talk, pre- I appreciate it all.
3: Well, Joe, it was good that you called in, and I, I really appreciate hearing from you. All righty. Thanks. We'll talk yeah. to you later.
1: Yes, sir. Our good friend uh, Chad Boblin, who uh, does the podcast, he's also starting to do a podcast. uh, But he's the uh, moderator, one of the admins, and the creator of the Facebook group Rate for Mile Masters. He posted earlier that he got an excellent spot market rate out of Oregon, uh, coming back to Kentucky for about eight grand. (laughs)
4: Woo!
2: Yeah,
1: that that uh, that uh, Northwest rate. Reaper Freight seems to be really, uh, really the place to be, uh, this week.
3: Yeah, you know what happens, Rico? You, you, you say that, and then everybody's going to go and put their trucks out there somehow, uh, get it there from wherever, and next week there'll be 5,000 trucks there and 2,000 loads, and guys will be sitting in the truck stop looking for a load going, I thought Rico said <laughs> that there was sorts a freight here. And that's, You know, that's part of our industry. I've watched this happen for the last 40 years. Um, it always seems... You know, and I always use watermelons as an example. Um, if you're down in, uh, if you're down south of Miami, when those watermelons start hitting, you got the first truck there. Those guys will give you gold. And then right. by the time you get north up into Canada, the word on the street is that the melons are running and they're paying huge money. And by the time the last guy gets down there, there's no loads. They've already moved up to Georgia.
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's, it's uh, and that's the beauty of the spot market, and that's one of the reasons why we try to give the the uh, DAT report, so that we can try to give some. Some people say that you know, um, well, it's a week late or whatever, but I, but the purpose behind giving it is it gives you empirical data, so that you have yes. a reference point if, you, if you're keeping up with it to come back at a later point in time. It may not be. Uh, Highly relevant right now at this point in time, but if you're keeping uh, uh, meticulous notes about what is what's going on, then when the next right. time comes around, you hey, I've seen this one before, and, and and you can be in a position to capitalize off of it.
3: Right, exactly. Yeah, that's what it's for. It's you know what? It's data. Uh, it's not necessarily. Um, live because it's a week or so old and things change real quickly in our industry.
1: It certainly does. It certainly does. So, what's going on? I ain't got a chance to check out the latest blog. Uh, so what, what You want to give us a plug on your latest blog?
3: You know, Rico, I got to check and see what it was because <laughs> I, uh, I wrote it about two weeks ago, I guess, and I was just working on, on another one tonight when you called. Um, and it was a, the the one I'm uh, working on is kind of a bunch of things about um, basically about the shortage of equipment uh, going into that Northeast um, because it's it's getting really really uh, it's getting bad and one of the things we're just talking about tonight you know you've got 40 million people living in that Northeast region of the United States. And they don't make a whole lot there, and they certainly consume a whole lot. And as a result, the uh, the demand for freight from Canada actually is pretty good. So, um, it, and every single time that um, things get busy, that area seems to get busier first and get busiest first and of course drivers don't want to go there that you know that's one of the big uh big issues because they'd rather go to the midwest or they'd rather go south or they'd rather go to california because as we all know the amenities on the east coast for drivers aren't there the lack of truck stops and the, just in general the way some of the receivers treat you it's pretty rough the, you know, and drivers just don't want to go there the um, the last blog I did, which was uh, about three weeks ago uh, two three weeks ago it was um, it was regarding the de- developing a direct customer base oh. so what we talked it was a it, really I talked about what we I wrote about what we had talked about when I was in Calgary during the last conversation we had um, you know how uh, you really have to figure out what you're going to do. Okay. As far as, um, you know, as far as are you developing a customer base, direct customer base, just for the heck of it? Or are you building a business so you can sell or pass on to your kids? Um, why are you doing this? Because it's a lot of work. And, you know, right. you may be better off if you're just developing a customer base for the hell of it, you may be much better off in the end just working with some good 3PLs that's what it comes down to but if you're building a business so you can uh, pass it on to your kids or sell it well then what you really want to do is uh, you do want to build that customer base but it's tons of work
1: right right we get ready we're getting into the closing moments that hour just flew by um we got about uh, about eight minutes left in the program. What I would like to ask, uh, going back into what we initially was talking about, with just kind of sits on a little bit right there. How would you advise someone uh, that that doesn't want to invest the time in and going out and getting their own customer base? But we talked about working with 3PL or whatever. How would you How would you uh, advise someone on developing and working with that, getting that relationship with that 3PL?
3: You know, what advice can you give them? Exactly. I think Joe gave the listeners the best advice when he just called in. Do what you say and say what you're going to do. All right. Just give service. If you say you're going to do something, do it. And that's especially important with 3PLs because there's no forgiveness or very little forgiveness because, you know, they're answering to more than one God. Right. And they've got to, you know, they've got to deal with that customer, and they're allowed, um, you know, they're allowed so many errors uh, in a month with that client in most cases, and they're not going to let you make one of those errors and get away with it.
1: I think one of the things that the, that, like I said, with Joe t- tipped on as well. Um, well, I'm gonna shut up. I got a I got a question. Somebody calling in with a question. So I want to let them get in. I'm gonna shut up real quick and let the caller from eight five nine. Caller from eight five nine. You're all live with Rico and Chuck. Uh,
4: hey there, Rico. It's Pablo. How you doing? What's going on, Pablo? Yeah. Well, uh, I heard uh, I got in probably too late and we're running out of time. I just you know I, I'm listening to, listening to you guys talk and. Uh, and and i've talked to chuck in person before and i mean this guy is uh has got a really big co- you know he's a ceo of a really big company and uh it'd be a fool not to listen to every single word he does but um, i you know the, the, the what i do is work i work strictly with brokers and brokers only i've tried I, you know i've worked i've talked to shippers around here and the thing, the thing that I've noticed that I live in Lexington, Kentucky. And the thing that I've noticed that if I'm going to work with directly with the shipper, and they've asked me to work work with them and do things with them, but I I can't get I can't get that the type of rates I can get out of brokers. And I know where I know where the freight is hot. Like like we just talked about that eight thousand dollar load, or the so seventy nine eighty five is actually what it was. But out of the uh, northwest, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, eighty five is my favorite number. And uh, but uh, I, you know, I can't, I can't get those type of rates out of working with direct shippers all the time and building on that relationship with direct shippers. But I can from brokers. There's times brokers will give me more money than than uh, uh, that, well, brokers are giving more money than they even have in the load, just to, so so that they can save that that relationship they have with the direct shipper. uh You see, you see anything like? Uh, would you have, do you see anything wrong with that? What do you think, Chuck? I, I totally
3: agree with you. And if you're, you're really in the uh, driver's seat a lot of times working with brokers, because if you're the, if you're the only truck there and, and you wait out, um, you're going to get more money. It's like, you know, if you've got a truck in Chicago on Friday, uh, quite often you're best to wait, don't try to load first thing in the morning. If you're trying to get money, wait till late afternoon till somebody's desperate. They'll pay you thirty times as much. So I think you're right on the money. Um, you know the the brokers number one. The the uh, direct shipper is going to say, "Well, Bobo, you quoted me nine hundred bucks from uh, point A to point B. I can't give you twelve because you quoted me nine. The the broker will say, "Listen, Bobo, I really need a truck. Uh, how are you going to charge me? I got to get this thing moved. Well, I don't like going there, but you know, uh, what do you think?" And, and they'll be desperate, and they can go to the customer a lot easier than you can. They can say, "Listen, I got one guy, and I got one guy only that'll run that area. Um, I know he'll do a good job." But uh, you know, he, he wants thirty two hundred bucks and the uh, shippers going and say, Well normally I pay twelve, but my god, I'm gonna lose my biggest customer. You got the thirty two hundred bucks, it's yours. And you get twenty nine hundred, the broker gets thirty two, everybody's happy, the shipper got his product moved. So you're right on the yeah. money. Okay. You know you're paying a marketer, really. Um that's in the end, that's what you're doing.
4: Yes. Yeah, I'm playing the market, and, and it works for me. I like this a whole lot more than I do. If if it was if it was desperate times, I mean, I could see where I'd need to build a relationship with a lot of shippers and uh, start working on that. But these are not desperate times. These are times where the brokers have a lot of money, and they and their job is to give it to you. That, that's they're looking for you so they can give you this money so you can move this freight and that's keep right. those customers happy. I I uh, that's what I do. And right now, I'm dispatching. Uh, um, but I'm not in the truck, but I'm working with a lot of brokers. But anyway, uh, thanks for letting me ask that, Chuck. I just no problem. Sure I think you know. we got the right
3: attitude, and uh, I think there's a lot to what you say. Right. Thank you. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks for
2: calling. Uh
1: huh. Rico. Hello? Uh oh, I'm sorry. Yep. Did- hey, Rico, I'm, I'm here. Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, my phone, my phone was cutting up. Well, um, Chuck, we got about two minutes left in the show. Um, okay. Got anything you want to plug real
3: quick before we get out of here? No, oh, you know what? Um, I, like always, I had a great time talking to you. I gotta. I will end this conversation with a, a quote that I, that I read today that blew me away. Uh, it was one of the best quotes, and it was um, it was said or written by a gentleman named John Wooden, um, who is an American basketball coach. What uh, yes, it was, "Yep." Yeah, And what he said was, talent is God-given. Be humble. Fame is man-given. Be thankful. Conceit is self-given. Be careful.
2: Wow. I think
3: think that can be used in, uh, it can be used certainly in uh, business as well as sports and entertainment.
1: Definitely,
3: definitely. And I think well, Chuck, sometimes.
2: Wait, gotta... wait. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I think sometimes in this industry, I think people get a little bit arrogant and conceited.
1: Yes, that 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 that, that can happen, really. Well, up? we appreciate you coming on with us, stopping by for your monthly check-in. We're looking forward to having you back on again next month. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in tonight. We've got about one minute left in the program. Be sure to check out. Um, be looking out for the text messages. I'm not 100% sure. I think Chad is going to be doing his podcast tomorrow night. I know Kenny did his podcast yesterday evening. Uh, so the podcasting format that Kevin Rutherford is, is expanding on is starting to grow. Uh, we're starting to get a lot, more, uh, a lot more shows coming in. So definitely support my uh, counterparts. I appreciate everyone for tuning in, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you guys again next week. With that said, Chuck and everyone, we bid you all good night. Be safe, be profitable, and master the journey.
0: Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes.